0: Hello baseball fans and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. We are back after the week off and this is actually our first episode of August with both me, Jeremy Tache, your co-host and producer, and Craig Mish, our host. Craig, how you doing on this Friday morning? It is great to talk to you Jeremy
1: and of course congratulations on your great new podcast which I see is is blowing up in a big way on uh on podcasts and on video as well and uh and very well deserved and so you know here i am in a forced retirement there's just no reason <laughs> for for me to continue anymore you've you've basically uh, outgrown us here at swings oh, and missions no. so congratulations to that and uh and thank you everyone for listening all these years oh and my gosh stop you're gonna just pivot you. over to jeremy stuff There's at this point there's you know i mean we're, we're uh we're old news here at swings and mishes
0: ah oh, stop well thank you so much greg I, I really do appreciate it and obviously miami Miked up would not exist without swings and mishes and swings and mishes still is happening please do not scare everyone into thinking that we're gone so that being said we have not spoken here on swings and misses uh since the day after the trade deadline we spoke on july 31st just about those trades but since then The Marlins have obviously been a bit up and down at the major league level. They're seven and 13 since the trade deadline. And while there are a couple of good series for them in there, taking three out of four against the Mets, sweeping the Cubs, there's also a lot of losses. They were swept by the Yankees. They were swept by the Colorado Rockies. And now most recently swept by the Atlanta Braves. Craig, I would just sort of love your state of the union here on where things are at, at the major league level for Marlins baseball.
1: Yeah, I, I think that there's probably a reason that that I have not been here and, and been participating nearly as much, which basically, uh, you know, the, the trade deadline was definitely very interesting and compelling. And I think that some of what I've reported will be able to circle back in a few months on the winter on, no doubt about that. But essentially at that point, I, I felt like, and, and some of it was necessary in terms of, of making the trades, like, tra- like trading Starling Marte and trading Yumi Garcia. Like, I, I mean, th- those things were expected and got done. I, I thought maybe more trades honestly would have happened, uh, like some of their other relief pitchers, but I suppose they either didn't get enough or they thought that those pitchers could still help them for the rest of the season. And you know, I'm not really sure what what ended up happening there. But to me, it really signaled the end. It signaled the white flag being mm. being raised. And, and I know that there were some comments made essentially that this was not a team that was selling, but a team that was still trying to get better. And I just didn't buy any of that after seeing the moves that were made. So uh, for me at that point, I, it's kind of like I have to make a decision as well, both professionally and personally which I, I still very much enjoy doing these without question. It has been almost six months of us doing this every single day mm-hmm. and doing it essentially with a team on the field in 2021. That's been an, an absolute failure. So I, I had to sort of, you know, kind of reassess, you know, where I'm at and where things are at. And I certainly will still be covering the team as I have, or maybe a little bit less, but my primary Gig, I, I think most people know this by now, is is working for Sports Grid every day from 12 to 2 Easter. And it's mm-hmm. a very important job for me. It's both on podcast and live on radio and on television. And and I and I love what we've created here at Swings and Mishes. And I certainly love the idea that both professionally and personally, you and I have been able to do so many great things based on on doing this. Yeah. But but the product on the field is so poor that you know it's just it's it's super disappointing for me it's super disappointing to have to do these every week and constantly talk about the reality of of where the situation is with the team losing as much as they have been on the major league side and it's not to say that there aren't some positive things happening but it's just been an overwhelming negative in 2021 and rather than come beat that into the ground on this podcast every single week, I took a couple of weeks off yep. and, and let you guys handle some of the positive and the negative. So uh, winter will come and and I'll certainly be right back at it. But uh, you, you never want to have that feeling of the dog days of September on the 2nd of August. But that was the reality for me. And so uh, taking a little bit of a step back over the next couple of months is probably the best thing for me.
0: Yeah, and realistically, this team did take a bit of a step back at the major league level at that trade deadline. One way or another, when Adam Duvall and Starling Marte are not in your lineup anymore, you're not as good as you were before that. And so now the Marlins do have three additional players who now we've seen a couple of weeks of baseball from. They traded for Jesus Lazardo in that Starling Marte trade. They traded for Brian De La Cruz from Houston in the Yemi Garcia trade. And obviously they traded Adam Duvall for Alex Jackson, the catcher who had been in Atlanta. Craig, what are your initial takeaways on on those three players in particular now that we've seen them for a few weeks in Marlins uniforms?
1: Yeah, I, I think we'll start off with the best trade of the three, which yep. which is the acquisition of Brian De La Cruz, who I think that everyone is way too excited about. That <laughs> definitely is the case because and he's, I'm one of them. he's essentially been the only one performing consistently uh, from, from that start until now. Uh, De La Cruz is going to be a major league outfielder. I don't know if he'll be a starter, but the the way that I would describe De La Cruz in a perfect world is when the bleep hits the fan in 2022, because naturally it will, this is what happens in major league baseball players get hurt. The notion that the Marlins are going to have 26 guys. They're all going to be healthy all next season and things are going to be healthier next year than this year. is probably a fallacy. Same sort of things are going to happen. It's baseball. Ronald Acuna Jr. out for the season. Yep. Mike Trout basically hasn't played. Those are your best two players in baseball this year. Juan Soto, maybe he's number three. Take a look at his numbers in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. So the notion that next year, everything is just going to be perfect for the Marlins and all their players are going to be healthy and be great is not true. Things are going to happen. What does La Cruz do? He provides you an excellent insurance policy, mm-hmm. somebody that probably can start two, three days a week, And when you have somebody that is injured in the outfield, he can step right in and fill in for you for a week or two. Uh, I don't know in terms of him being a starter at the big league level. I certainly would not count on that going into 2022, but they have had no insurance policies whatsoever in the outfield the last couple of years. And to me, he provides one in either a platooning situation or the fourth outfielder, a major league fourth outfielder, on the team next year so that is a uh, massive positive because Yimi garcia i was never really a fan of yeah and, and honestly stunned that it, they could even get anything back in return for him i thought that that was a, a really well uh, trade that was executed very well maybe Yimi does well we'll watch him in the postseason for houston for sure um okay so now on to the negatives which are the Marte trade and then the Duval trade. So uh, Starling Marte, you know, clearly had to be traded. Everybody understands that because, well, he didn't have to be traded. The Marlins could have offered him more money and, and sure. kept him here, but they chose not to. That's, you know, another story altogether, probably. But uh, yes, I am disappointed with that. By the way, I want to make uh, something clear on that. Yeah. The, the Marte, uh, them not signing Marte was not about not having the money. This was about a choice, that mm-hmm. they made. And we'll have to judge that in the off season when he inevitably does get four years and 45 or $50 million from somebody else. And then we'll let that contract play out and God willing, in four years, we'll come back here and we'll take a look at the on swings and missions and see yes. what Marte's is doing and decide whether or not it was worth it. Right. Uh, they decided it was not worth it. They have the money to do it. Make no mistake. Right. About it. They could have easily done it. They chose not to do it. So I want to be clear on that. That was a choice. Not a money situation, although I guess it always is a money situation when you decide not to pay somebody. Uh, I, look, I, I honestly at this point have not reported any other potential deals for Starling Marte because I'm just at, at this stage not aware of them, haven't really poked to be honest with you. Uh, I will do that, but I've taken a little bit of a step back, yeah. as I mentioned. In, in terms of getting Hayes Lizardo, It it is now all going to be on next season. Like that's Mm -hmm. basically, uh, I have seen enough this year to know that he is a non-factor and a non-contributor in any positive way, in in my opinion, In, in 2021. He looks completely lost pitching. He is nowhere around the plate at different times of the game. They have had a pretty good track record of developing pitchers. And I see a lot of folks talking about that. While that is indeed the case, they're probably hitting about a 70 or 80% rate. We want to make sure everyone understands it is not 100%. Nick Nyder is not 100%. Braxton Garrett is not 100%. Those guys are also in the organization mm-hmm. that have not been developed in a way that you'd like to see them as major league players. Everybody else has. Trevor Rogers, Eliezer Hernandez, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, all these young kids in the minors who are doing well. But again, uh, Jorge Guzman, no good, Right. But this is not an exact science. You are not hitting on 100%. Maybe Lazardo is part of that 70% or 80%. Maybe he's part of the other. I don't know the answer to that. We'll find out about him next year, Jeremy. But uh, to this point, am I concerned? Of course I am. I have have seen nothing that this guy uh, had shown a couple of years ago. But of course, it is too early to judge whether the trade's a success or a failure. We're going to determine that next year. But to me at this point... I, I, I don't know why, why is it that the Marlins can't get a proven commodity in a trade that can help you win right now? Like, mm-hmm. where is the Dela Cruz trades? Like, you know, w- I know with the, a lot of these, we have to wait two or three years. Why is it that we cannot get a trade with this club where they make a deal? The guy comes back and starts and he's a monster or he hits and he's a monster. Why does that not happen? Mm-hmm in four years i i don't know but this is another one of those trades where we're going to have to wait and see the result on that and then uh fine and i know we differ on on him too and then and then finally you have the adam duvall trade for alex jackson which to me i don't believe was a, a good trade i i think they should have at least approached duvall on potentially staying The Marlins and Detroit Tigers are a really interesting comparison in terms of where their rebuilds are. For those of you who were listening, I would encourage you to go back and take a look at the trajectory for both of those teams. And I think in the Herald, we're going to do that. And Detroit as an example, had a very similar player on their roster this year. His name is Jonathan scope. Mm -hmm. They went through the trade deadline. Tigers fans were like, why in the world did you not trade this guy? You should have. And no one knew they ended up extending him for a couple of years, a veteran player, Leadership in the clubhouse, someone who can change the game with one swing, doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, impact the game in a lot of different ways. Duvall's a better defender, by the way, than Jonathan Scope, too, Mm -hmm. who's only playing first base at this stage of his career. Interesting how the Tigers and Marlins are sort of headed in, in terms of their builds and rebuilds. And I am unfortunately saddened that the Tigers look like they're in a better spot right now uh, than Miami unless something happens in the offseason that I see differently uh, Duvall for for all the things that are said about Miguel Rojas being a great clubhouse leader being a great guy which are all true by the way Adam Duval had a similar impact on that team and very disappointing to see uh, you know him discarded you know really at, at the last minute and then from there jeremy all kinds of bleep broke loose here we've got alfaro playing left and first base and jackson playing sometimes leon not catching only pitching like
2: <laughs> i don't, i have
1: no idea what in the world is is going on here in, in a five pitch
0: inning from leon though i mean glorious <laughs> we
1: got leon pitching he doesn't catch anymore yeah like I mean, it's just, it is, it is baffling to me. Some of these things, mm-hmm. you have three catchers on there. Like, and Jackson, by the way, who, who I don't think will end up being a starting catcher definitely could be a backup. I think that, yeah. that could be he could be a tandem backup with somebody else. He Certainly. plays, he, obviously he's a good defender, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and there's a lot of catchers who hit 210 and hit eight home runs in the big leagues. And it's yep. <laughs> probably who Alex Jackson is, But but he'll be a better backup catcher than probably anybody that they've had. That's true, but he's not, I don't think he's a starter going into next year. So but yeah, I mean, like, like, so Jack, so Jackson is being given a chance. And then that's at the expense of Alfaro, who is in left, and then he's in first and like, I mean, like, try and figure this stuff out. I just have no idea. And you know, Leland Diaz doesn't get to play and he's in the minors. Everyone's asking me where he is, Jeremy, I have no idea. Hmm. It's, it's, uh, (laughs) I, I mean, I wish I had the answers to all of these things, but I certainly don't. It, it's, it's just been a strange year for sure. this team from beginning to end, some of the decisions and, and, and the execution of, of this stuff. Uh, to me, it, it's, it's been just disappointing from start to finish. Mm. But I guess my summary is, is it looks like the De La Cruz trade was good. We'll have to reserve further judgment on Lazardo. And, and the Duval trade, I just don't, I don't even understand. Like, I just,
0: I I don't understand that one at all. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with those. Yeah. I mean, just to add a, a little bit of, of my own sort of thoughts here, I, I was surprised uh, on your reporting about Duvall and the fact that they never discussed a further extension because he has been a player who had contributed at such a high level for Miami. I mean, he'd had over 20 homers, over eight, you know, 80 RBIs. He had been contributing at that level. On the flip side, when you do look at De La Cruz and Jackson going forward, if, if you remove these three players, Lizardo, De La Cruz, Jackson, from the trades that were made for them, and you look at, okay, if De La Cruz and Jackson are your fourth outfielder and your backup catcher, You've provided some depth, like you mentioned before, to where when bleep hits the fan, sort of like it did this season, you're not in such a level of panic. And remember, we saw that stretch in June, where when stuff started to hit the fan and this team had been playing okay before that, it was this stretch of losing 10 out of 11 and losing to the Pirates and all these things because there was no depth. There was nobody to step up and at least be replacement level good when the starters went down. So to be in a position going into next year where at least you know some of that depth is there at a couple positions, but you're not going to compete at a higher level unless you do make these moves that we talked about at the deadline to acquire those high-level players to play, whether that's center field, whether that's catcher. This roster is currently constructed. Cannot be the only players going into next season. And then obviously, you know, with Jesus Lozardo, like you mentioned, it's four starts at the major league level. This guy was struggling mightily when you traded for him. So there's there's no... There's no difference in, in who he was in Oakland and who he is right now. It's just about seeing whether the Marlins can sort of have that reclamation project that, you know, we've seen them develop players from the minor league level to the major league level. We haven't seen them now have a position like this where guy who was a, a superstar prospect who came up and struggled at a big level at the major league level sent back down to work on some more. So we'll see if they're capable of doing that. I think we have had that. I think well, Lewis Brinson. I think Lewis, well, Lewis Brinson. Brinson I that. meant I meant for pitchers. I meant oh, for, for pitchers, pitchers. in okay. particular. Okay. Yeah, that Lewis Brinson is the ultimate example. Lewis Brinson playing at the level he's playing at over the last month has been such a wonderful surprise. Not anymore, though. No. I mean, he's no. just that that, that that
1: completely ended. I don't know if if if. I mean, if it was a few it. games.
0: He's hitting three hundred for a month.
1: I know. I I don't think he got a hit. In the last week or so, yeah,
0: he's in a bad series,
1: nonetheless. Yeah, I, um, I, I guess, I, I guess, look, I, I mean, bad. I mean, I I could take the opposite approach and say right. he had one good month. I mean, yeah, you know And I, I, again, I, look, I'm I'm just I'm happy that Lou had that little that little breakout yeah, or, what, or whatever it was that that probably has earned him a chance to make the team next year. I would think. I think he's arbitration eligible, so it mm-hmm. would it would make sense that they'll tender him and, and bring him in and let him compete to be you know like De La Cruz to be a fourth or fifth outfielder, exactly. but. But I, I don't know I don't know without playing time uh, every day that he'll that he'll get that it seemed like That's the fair. only shot that he had but remember also Jeremy games in Colorado games against the Cubs mm-hmm. and, um, you know I I just I am sorry I just I'm I'm happy for the individual there yeah but I think that people got way too excited seeing those offensive performances specifically against those two teams and I know mm-hmm. he did well in San Diego I'll give him credit for that but uh, the Rockies the Cubs you know horrible pitching staffs. And the Cubs, the Cubs to me were the, that was the worst team that I've seen in a long, long time. Oh my time. gosh,
0: it was embarrassing. I, mean,
1: I, I don't know. I feel really bad for those fans. I, I I don't think they had a single player in their opening day lineup play against the Marlins.
0: Not they one. didn't have, they didn't have from the starters, I believe, and I could have this slightly off, but I believe from the starters that they had just the last time they played the Marlins, seven of the eight starters were different.
1: Like yeah, I think Bodie may have been on the team but beyond right. that they on that first game I think that they had no one from opening day starting and and then Saturday that Saturday game they just literally gave the game they to decimated the morons. I, mean, I think they gave the I think they have committed three errors in one inning. Anyway, uh, but look, you can only play who's against you and and, exactly. and and Miami gets those wins I understand it but what happened is I I think at least from what I saw people got like so excited after beating the Cubs thinking that that was like something and then I was on some radio, well, I was Defoe's show uh, mm-hmm. on Monday. And, you know, they they were excited too, because they have like this, they got to get the Marlins over 71 wins. And they asked <laughs> me like, so do you think that this carries over this week? And I'm like, no, I think they're going to get absolutely hammered against Atlanta and Cincinnati. But, you know, I, no, I, I just, I just think that that it's just a crucial off season. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just really the bottom line. I, exactly. I think, I I think the deadline provided, at least I provided, uh, some insight as to you know what potentially that 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 they could be looking at, but you know, un- un- until, Jeremy, until they sort of, and and I don't think it's happening even now, but until they sort of I, something that I've mentioned before in in move on completely from things that don't work, until this organization does that, I I, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel because that just basically means, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say hypothetically, Jesus Lazardo, I know you don't want this, Jeremy, but let's say sure. next year he's the same. He is yeah. the same. I mean, it's possible. Let, let's give it a 20% chance. It's not impossible that, that, that Lazardo is exactly the same. So you're telling me that because they traded him for Starling Marte and the trade is a failure, that they're gonna give him 25 starts mm-hmm. like that because of that trade? Like I mean, I mean that that's the puzzling thing to me that still goes on. And and I suppose when the games don't matter like they are right now, you can put Alfaro at left and play Ison Diaz and give Lou another shot. Like, I I suppose you can do that. But in the end, you have to sell tickets to these games. You have to give hope that 2022 is going to be a season on the field that people are going to want to go to. And I see so many people that follow me on social media. No, no, no. Got to give Brinson another chance. No, no, no. Got to give De La Cruz. And then my response is, and it's going to be for the next month, are you buying tickets to these games? Are you attending these games and spending your hundred bucks on, on, a, on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday to go? The answer is no every time because you don't care. You're home. You're tweeting. You don't give a bleep. It's like, yeah, oh, I would love to see De La Cruz get more opportunities. Yeah, on TV, hmm. <laughs> on TV. That's not bringing people to the park you're going to have to make some big moves in the off season to draw people in. Yes. The experience of going to baseball games is amazing. It's been amazing for me and my family. We've gone to a ton of games this year with my son, with my daughter, with me and my wife, we've gone as fans a lot, but that's us. That's the host of swings and misses. That That's not the average person who is looking at, they're going to look at the record and they're going to go, Oh, you know, the Marlins lost 93 games. Why should I go next year? You you got to sell people on that. It is, it's such a big element to this that I don't think Jeremy has talked about enough where it is so easy to kick the can down the road and hope Lazardo is good and hope this player is good in three years or four years or two years. But Miami is a market that's been very finicky with their fans and the fans have not always rallied with their two feet walking to the ballpark and putting down the money for the tickets. And so... You know, the, the, the trust, I would not say the trust has been broken. I would not say that is the case because I've I, I still feel like there are some really good people in the Marlins organization and people that I do feel will be part of this long term. But next year, it is put up or shut up, man. Like that that's basically it and not put up or shut up, Jeremy, winning the World Series or right. even winning 90 games. But like I, this cannot happen again. I mean, it cannot. And, and don mm-hmm. mattingly next year cannot tell us we're not going to lose 90, 100 games this year because Donnie, you did it again man like like it it happened so you know i don't want to hear any excuses next year except for competitive baseball better baseball and and i'm not counting on that the next couple of months but i, I gotta i gotta get back to that next year i, I don't i
0: don't know And if a fifth year of this jeremy I, I i'm gonna have a hard time with it You know, this team is not competing at a very high level at the major league level at the moment. And, you know, there's only about a month and a half left of this season. And we're getting close to September where, you know, despite seeing some of the familiar names right now, maybe in September, we will start to see some of those others. As we head to September, Craig, what names are you expecting to see with the Marlins once we get to that final month of the season?
1: Well, I was told Lewin Diaz could be the next Carlos Delgado, but he's Mm -hmm. still sitting in AAA. So I would suppose that if that's a a comparison of a player, I would certainly love to know, Jeremy, if he can be the starting first baseman on opening day next year. I've reached the point now where I can safely say, I have no idea. Right. I have no clue. They did not give him a chance. So going into next year, He'll probably end up being the starting opening day first baseman, and we'll be guessing as to whether or not this is a good player or not. Why? Because of their refusal to give him playing time this year. I understand they have Jesus Aguilar there. Very clearly, yes. Uh, Jorge Alfaro can play left field and play uh, first base, can maybe move Aguilar to third, move Anderson to right. I don't know. I see a lot of wacky things happening to give other players some playing time. Maybe that's what should happen with Leywin Diaz, but I would love to see him play Uh, Two straight weeks, Jeremy, three four days a week. I I I would and and in September it won't matter anymore. So it's we've kind of reached the end. But that's what I would have loved to see. So that is one player I would guess we'll see in September. They are going to have three extra or two extra spots, I think, from twenty six to twenty eight. Another player who I think that we will see. I think kim eng alluded to this was Edward Cabrera. Mm -hmm. So he'll make his major league uh, debut in all likelihood in September. I guess the hope is he'll get three or four starts naturally if he pitches very well people will be excited and say he's great and when or if he doesn't people will say ah it was at the end of the end they'll make an excuse of some kind i'm just excited to see him pitch because he's arguably their top pitching prospect that's not in the major leagues right now so that's the second player too and then the third player that clearly deserves an opportunity but still has yet to get one is bryson brigman who has just been sitting in triple a having a really nice season and the marlins have not given him an opportunity all year and they continue again to play players that are not part of their future brigman may not be as well he could come up jeremy and go 0 for 40 very possible yeah, that that could happen but i don't know if i don't see the kid so play see. but i know that they've been willing to call up and dfa devin Morero seven times over the last three months mm. why don't have the answer don't know so those are those three players that i personally if you're asking me would like to see lewin diaz edward cabrera and give bryson brigman a chance in, in the major leagues i think brian miller got 24 hours
0: but maybe bryson brigman could get 48 hours i totally agree that i'd love to see all three of those guys and very selfishly just to have him around would love to see eddie alvarez back at the major league level because that guy i just want to give him a second here just a shout out multiple time medal winner at the Olympics to have won silver silver medals in both speed skating and baseball is just a remarkable accomplishment it was cool to have him around the ballpark the other day he was there to sort of celebrate with his family and friends and, and it was cool to see him so Eddie Alvarez congratulations to you but yes Bryson Brigman Edward Cabrera and um, you know seeing anybody else that can get called up with Lewin Diaz. Diaz, obviously, <laughs> yeah, I obviously just got lost, lost there, but seeing Lewin Diaz. You forgot he was, who he was already. He's been, yeah, going I mean, Lewin, it's, you know, we, we've seen Lewin, uh, to see Lewin come back up and play pretty consistently, but Craig, any sort of last uh, news and notes here before we do wrap up this episode of Swings and Mishes?
1: Yeah, just like I said at the beginning, appreciate everybody's support throughout the year. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more fun when a team is winning. It's a lot more fun when you can invest your time and your money into a winning product. And, and I still remain hopeful for that. Yeah, I, I definitely, without a doubt, in the last few weeks come off pretty pretty negative and upset and that just tells you you know how transparent I am about this and how I feel about it. Uh, th- this podcast and, and my coverage, I would prefer to cover a winning team that yeah, that is the bottom line. I would prefer it is it is in my best interest and everybody's best interest here for all the work that we do with swings and missions with all the people that we have doing work and, and that I pay to do work that that we have a winning product here yeah. and and I am really uh the, the difference the difference I guess going into next year is I'm going to be hopeful as opposed to optimistic. I think that's probably the biggest change. It's not that I'm going to be negative going into next year but it, I've gone from from thinking that this was on the right track to not really being sure and mm-hmm. now have to be hopeful about it. So 2 months left of the season we'll continue to to carry on as soon as the season's over we probably will do a, a season wrap up. And my guess is, uh, you know, on a team that loses a hundred games, Jeremy, in general, there are coaching changes there, you know, there just has to be, there always are. We'll cover those for you as well. And then provided there is a winter meetings in Nashville, I will be covering that in, in what is going to be a critical time for off-season. the franchise uh, in, in, in the off season. So again, most importantly, congratulations to you on mm-hmm. all of your endeavors. I think that that's, uh, you know, awesome, what you're what you've been able to do. And I'll probably enjoy listening to your stuff and, and, and watch your stuff
0: more than my stuff. That's <laughs> I, I, I
1: think I'll feel better about yours than
0: mine. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, uh, you guys certainly know I will be uh, relentlessly positive all the time, which is almost annoying to a fault. But here I am just being that guy. Uh, through the rest of August and into, into September, we will obviously have you covered here on Swings and Mishes. If you don't already, follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to this on. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a review. And we will talk to you next week, Swings and Mishes fans. All right, Swings and Mishes fans, we actually wanted to take a second this week to talk to the CEO and founder of TicketRev, our new title sponsor here at Swings and Mishes, Jason Shatsky. So, Jason, why don't you take just a second to let the folks listening know what TicketRev is all about?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy, and thank you so much for having me. First first and foremost, I'm a Marlins fan, uh, just like like your audience have um, been living up in Palm Beach County. That's where I grew up, um, and, and so the idea for TicketRev came... Um, from being a Miami sports fan and a Marlins fan. And so essentially uh, our mission with Ticket Rev is to make it easier to both buy and resell tickets to your favorite live events. Um, the way it works is we're actually the first reverse marketplace. So buyers create bids on events, uh, enabling sellers to find a matching bid and, uh, accept, that in, and accept and sell that ticket instantly. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so we've launched down here in Miami uh, focused on, on Marlins, among other events in the South and Central Florida region, um, and, and hope to earn the, the business and the trust of Marlins fans. I
0: personally think what you're doing is great. Um, we've already had a couple of Swings and misses. listeners reach out to us and let us know that, that they enjoyed the process of working with you and working with Ticket Rev. But how specifically can our listeners here on Swings and Mishes benefit
2: from using your site? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll break it down individually for, for both sellers and, and then for buyers. Perfect. Um, so for sellers, if you're a Marlin season ticket holder, uh, or you have tickets for a game you can't go, if maybe you cashed in your season ticket vouchers, want to get rid of them, um, you can come on TicketRev, you can view the available bids. Um, and when you find one that matches the section in the row of your ticket, you can accept that bid instantly. If you've ever attempted to list on StubHub or post it on Facebook or your Instagram story or Twitter, and you just can't find a buyer, I know how much that frustration builds up. Ticketrev.com, find the event, find a match and bid, accept it, and transfer your tickets. There's no waiting, there's no listing, there's no determining the price, there's no competition. It's so easy and it's so quick. Um, on the other hand, for buyers, I'll give you an example. Jeremy, you and I want to go to a Marlins game next week. We create a bid for two tickets anywhere in sections 8, 9, and 10 in those letter rows, A through J. We put an offer up for $50 each ticket. Now a seller with tickets in that location come um, and sell them instantly. Uh, so there's more flexibility and more power for the, for the buyers um, and sellers have that instant sale capability. And, and we're finding really successful transactions happen and, and just creating an experience and, and a product that, that's meaningful for everyone.
0: Well, and Swings and Mishes listeners, you guys can use the promo code SWINGS on ticket rev for $10 off. Your first purchase as a buyer, and I know Jason and I are working together here to create something special for sellers as well. Jason, anything here right at the end? You just want to get in a couple sentences uh, wrapping things up for our
2: listeners. Yeah, even better. The promo code swings actually gets you twenty dollars off your
0: first. Huh, well, look at that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll add is that that we're a local startup, we're a new company, um, and like I mentioned earlier in in the podcast, we just want to earn. Your business and your trust and your support uh, you can dm us on instagram at ticket rev that's ticket rev you can find me on twitter personally at j Shatsky, um, or at ticket rev um and uh, if you have any questions or, or need help or want to work with us just send us a note send me a note um we're rewarding our our, our frequent sellers and actually lowering their commission um, so if you want to try selling with us uh, we charge an eight and a half percent commission, but as your sales volume increases, we'll continue to lower that for you. Um, so we're super excited to to be here, and and um, you know hope to work with everyone soon. All right. So use that promo code swings for twenty dollars off
0: swings admissions. Fans, Jason, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.